Let me read you a romantic poem. Somewhere I have never travelled gladly beyond any experience your eyes have their silence. In your most frail gesture are things which enclose me or which I cannot touch because they are too near. Your slightest look easily will unclose me. Though I have closed myself as fingers, you open always, petal by petal myself as spring opens, touching skillfully, mysteriously, her, fo her first rose. Or if your wish be to close me, I and my life will shut very beautifully, suddenly as when the heart of this flower imagines the snow carefully everywhere descending. Nothing which we are to perceive in this world equals the power of your intense fragility, whose texture compels me with the colour of its countries, rendering death and forever with each breathing. I do not know what, is, what it is about you that closes and opens. Only something in me understands. The voice of your eyes is deeper than all roses. Nobody, not even the rain, has such small hands. E.E. E. Cummings. There are many kinds of love, but romantic love is one that is so mysterious that it takes over us. When we find ourselves in love, our hearts start racing, our stomach churns, and we can't think straight. I remember on the morning of my wedding, the groomsmen went out for breakfast and I could not eat. I was so nervous about the big day. Romance is one of the great literary genres of the Bible too. Uh, it's not all just history and letters. Um, and uh, it has actually got a lot of romance too. From the opening we have Adam and Eve. And we have Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel, Solomon and his Shulamite bride, Esther and the king, not to mention Mary and Joseph. But the story of Ruth and Boaz probably stands out as really where the romance is highlighted. Uh, it's a real famous love story, and some say the greatest love story in the ancient world. The greatest short story in the ancient world, some people have declared. And so this morning as we look at this third chapter, the third act of four acts of this book of Ruth, we see romance blossom between Ruth and Boaz. And as we look at the passage, we'll see something wonderful also about God and his divine romance. The divine romance between God and his people. Because let's not forget that one way the Bible describes God's relationship with his people, with Israel especially, is in terms of romantic love. In Jeremiah 2 verse 2, God says to Israel, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. And when God and Israel's relationship breaks down, it's described as being like a, like a divorce. Hosea 2 verse 2, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And then when the relationship is restored again, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you, Isaiah 62. So the Bible doesn't shy away from romance, nor does it shy away from the sexual element of romance between human beings and also between that being a metaphor of God's relationship with his people. The deep intimacy that God has with his people is kind of a bit like the sexual union between husband and wife. 
Just as two become one flesh in sex, so too there is an intimate oneness between God and his people. And this theme is developed in the New Testament as well, about Christ and his relationship to the church. This is the divine romance. And so what we're going to see from this chapter is, well, we're going to see a romance form between Boaz and Ruth. But we're also going to learn about God as our redeemer, as we have just sung, and God as our provider. And I'm going to approach this chapter from the perspective of Ruth mainly, and then I'm going to swap and go from the perspective of Boaz just to see what happens. And this is not some kind of Mills and Boone or Twilight kind of romance where the woman is passive and the man is active. What you're going to see is the woman being active and the man being active too. If those of you who don't know the story, I want to recap quickly. We're going to go quick, scream through like two chapters. So there's this Hebrew couple, um, Naomi and Elimelech, and they have two sons. They live in Bethlehem. They go off to Moab because there's a famine and they need food. So they go off with their sons to Moab to live. And Moab is a foreign country, and it's, uh, it's, it's an enemy country, actually. But they go there because there's food there. And uh, they set up life there, and their two sons marry. And all is well. But then tragedy hits, and all the men in the family die. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, and her two sons die. So Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem, with her, and her two daughters, follow, daughter-in-laws, follow her, which is unusual. Uh, and then, after some conversation, one of them goes back home, but Naomi and Ruth stick together. Ruth shows this devotion. Her young daughter-in-law, whose husband has just died, they're both widows, older widow and younger widow, they travel back to Bethlehem. Then in chapter 2, when they get there in Bethlehem, um, Ruth goes off to a field to um, get some wheat and some barley because they're hungry. And she's just on the edge there, just getting a few of the scraps. And a man appears called Boaz. Now, Boaz just turns out to be a relative of Naomi. And in Hebrew culture, uh, male relatives have got to show um, favour towards their relatives who are in need. So this is a fortuitous event. And Boaz goes on to show great kindness to Ruth and Naomi and lets them um, farm all through the good, the good wheat and barley of their fields for seven weeks and uh, they end up being um, filled with lots of, uh, being able to eat again and also um, they're protected physically and there seems to be um, a great, um, you know, for, this is a great fortuitous event and what we see is God working behind the scenes. Um, and then uh, in the start of this third chapter, um, we, we see what develops between Boaz and this young woman, Ruth. And a key piece of information is that Boaz, being a relative, is what the passage calls a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. Um, this means, by the law of Moses, he's a relative, he's got, a relative, he's got to help them out. And, uh, and uh, so let's look out for that as we develop the passage. So first of all, let's look at Ruth. I'm going to spend most of the time on Ruth. And when you look at Ruth, think of this. She's like God in this passage, in that she is a provider. She's like God the provider. So Naomi is an older widow, but she shows concerns for her daughter-in-law Ruth, who is also a widow. Naomi wants Ruth to find another husband. And in chapter 1, Naomi had already told Ruth to return to her homeland to find another husband. And Ruth had disobeyed her. She said, no, I'm not going to go and find another, another husband. So this time, Naomi tries again in chapter 3. Why don't you try and find a husband? I reckon you should try Boaz. 
Look at verse 1 and 2. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Boaz will be winnowing the barley tonight. That's throwing the grain in the air so the, the chaff will be blown away by the wind and you're just left with the grain. That's what they have to do at the end of the day. And um, she starts building this plan, a romantic plan. So, you know, as you listen to this, it's really hard when you're sitting in 2016 in Melbourne, in Clifton Hill, to kind of transport yourself back to Bethlehem, uh, you know, in this period of history, around 1200 BC or whatever it is. Um, you know, but just try. Here's this older widow starting a plan for her, her daughter-in-law, who's also a widow, to, to meet a man and to woo him. She says in verse 3, Have a good wash, clean yourself up so you're nice and fresh. Put on some Chanel, you know, some nice perfume or whatever the equivalent was. Find an attractive outfit, make sure you look good. Go down to the farm and hang out with Boaz and the workers as they eat their dinner. Wait till he has finished his eating and he's resting before you make your move, says in verse 3. Have you ever seen the um, BBC, or I think British show, comedy Miranda? Anyone seen that? Yeah. I quite like it anyway. She always talks about um, putting on her allure, you know, for Gary the, Gary the chef. And that's what's going on here. You know, put on your allure, Naomi saying to Ruth. And she continues with her instructions. She says, Boaz will be sleeping on the threshing floor. That's just the floor where they do the winnowing. Um, to protect his harvest. And that's what the farmers did. You didn't want anyone stealing it was worth a lot of money. You have to wait for them to have all fallen asleep so that the others don't catch you and you have to go and uncover his feet. Hello. And he will tell you what to do, verse 4. And then read, uh, then look at verse 5. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. She's a faithful woman and she wants to serve Naomi in every way possible. So she does all of this, goes to the threshing floor with Boaz and the men and she follows Naomi's instructions. Ruth tiptoes up to Boaz, carefully avoiding the other men so she doesn't step on them. She crouches down at Boaz's sleeping mat, pulls the blankets out a bit so the feet are exposed. And I guess it's going to, you know, sort of draw his attention, wake him up a little bit. Then at about um, midnight, Boaz turns over in his sleep and he's like, What? Who is this woman lying at my feet? Verse 8. Now, you, you, what you're supposed to be feeling, I'm going to just tell you how to feel, okay, like they do in the Hollywood movies, you know, 3D. Feel, you know, that's what I'm going to do now. Um, what you're supposed to be thinking is, whoa, what's going to happen? Okay, this is the moment, the high point of the romantic story, one of the high points, one big, you know, this could go bad now. Uh, remember, Boaz is... Um, He's, uh, he's, he's been eating his dinner, he's had, you know, he's had some wine probably, he's cosy and he's sleeping. It's midnight, it's dark, and there's this random woman in, in, his, in his bed. And he says, who are you? And then she says, I'm your servant, Ruth. Now at this point in the story, the tension even gets worse, because what we see Ruth doing is abandoning Naomi's instructions. Naomi had told Ruth to go to Boaz... And do all those things with the, you know, lie down next to him. And then he would tell you what to do, okay? We're holding our breath because Ruth is departing from this script. Ruth doesn't wait for Boaz's lead. Instead, she starts giving Boaz instructions. Look at verse 9. She says, Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. 
And the, the phrase, spread the corner of your garment over me, can also be read as, spread your wings over me, Boaz, and take me under the safety and the warmth like of your wings, like a, a mother hen puts her wings around the chicks. And this is all sexually charged. We're supposed to be seeing that here. It's a marriage proposal, but it's a little bit in reverse to what would have normally happened back then because it's Ruth, this young, poor, Moabitess woman who's got nothing in her life in terms of finance or work, proposing to this older single man who's you know, well-liked in the town and he owns a farm and he employs people. He's kind of important and he's got status and also well-respected. Uh, this is a very unusual proposal. But it's exciting anyway. She's taking her romance, or this romance, into her own hands here. And this wasn't part of Naomi's plan. So the tension is really extreme here. And you have to keep in mind that for Hebrew men, Moabite women um, had a bad reputation. And it's because of the, their history. Um, if you go to Numbers chapter 25, there's a famous story where um, the Moabite, Moabite test women... Uh, Moabite women uh, seduced a whole lot of Israelite men and um, got them to worship their foreign gods. And so in their kind of culture, you don't go near Moabite women, you know. Um, This is part of their sordid past. So what's Boaz going to think, you know, he's going to be worried about his reputation. I've got this Moabite woman in the the end of my bed. What is everyone going to say? Is he going to reject her? Is he going to get really angry? Has Ruth messed up Naomi's plans? Well, look at Boaz's response. The tension is released in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. You are a woman of noble character. See, Boaz thinks she's the opposite of, of a seductress. He says that she has a, a really good reputation in the town as a woman of noble character. He's actually using the same words from Proverbs 31. You might have heard of it. Listen to some of what it says. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard and she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. I mean, what we see here is something really profound about God's kingdom. On the one hand, you've got this older, wealthy Hebrew man who's highly respected in the town, who's seen as a man of good standing, it says in chapter 2, verse 1. And then you've got this poor foreign woman um, who's a recent convert, who doesn't have any money and um, is lowly, but also known as a noble woman because of her good character. They're both on equal footing before God as people of good character. By far the best thing you can do to prepare yourself um, for a marriage is to work on your character. So often when I um, meet with um, couples who have just got engaged and you know, about to get married, I sometimes ask, oh, why did you, um, you know, 
decide to get married now and not like last year or the year before or something. They often say things like, um, oh, well, we had to save enough money for a deposit for the house. Or they say, oh, I had to just finish my uni course. Or they might say, you know, I wanted to do some travel. I wanted to get my career going. And then there's a whole lot of reasons. Never have I ever heard anyone say, we were just working on our character. <coughs> By far, the thing that really is the most important in our, in the, in our human lives uh, before God and in marriage as well is our character. How do you pursue God the character? It comes by pursuing God in faith. We see that in the story, Boaz being faithful, Ruth being faithful. As you pray, as you confess your sins before God, as you read the Bible and are shaped by his word, as you try and be obedient to God, the Holy Spirit works in you to build character in you. That's what we see, examples of that in Ruth and in Boaz. But also what we're seeing here is Ruth being kind. And this is something that sometimes gets missed in this story. Ruth is actually being kind here. Boaz actually blesses Ruth and he calls her kind for two main reasons. First of all, she's kind for the obvious reason because she's offering herself as a wife to this old, older man. And he says, you could have gone for a younger man, but you've gone for me, thanks. That's really kind. Secondly, though, and this is more profound, I think, is that he knows that because he is a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer, because of his obligations as a, as a Hebrew man to the family, what Ruth is doing in offering to be his wife will actually save Naomi because she will be brought into this family and get the benefits of, of, of that. And also, she will actually continue the family line of Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech, she actually will carry on the name of Elimelech, and that's how guardian-redeemer relationship works. So, so, so Ruth is actually being kind to Boaz, being kind to Naomi, and actually being kind to Elimelech. Boaz says, the Lord bless you. And he agrees to her offer, although there is a small catch. It turns out that not only is there one um, guardian-redeemer in the town, there's actually two. And because Boaz has such good character, he says, there's actually another guy in town who's probably closer to you in terms of the kinship relationships. We've just got to make sure that he doesn't want to take up this offer. Uh, it sounds strange in our context that you would negotiate like this, but this is normal in this culture. Ruth is a beautiful image of a self-sacrificing and faithful provider. She provides for Boaz through her actions. She will provide an extended family for Naomi. She's even providing a continuation of the family line for Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. And remember, her child that is going to be born later on is the grand, goes on to be the grandfather of King David. So this lineage is important in the big picture of the Bible. And that lineage goes on to be the line in which Jesus is born. So in this respect, she's a picture of God's love. Because the whole divine romance between God and his people is only possible because God is our faithful provider. Psalm 65 verse 9 says about God, You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. And remember what Jesus says in Matthew 6:26: Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? 
So God is the saviour who gives us everything that we need and we see that in Ruth, an image of that, a picture of that. If we're going to look at now this passage quickly from Boaz's angle, we see an image of God as our redeemer. Boaz is literally the kinsman redeemer or the guardian redeemer, and we've talked about that already. And when Ruth asks Boaz to put your doona over, over me, you know, um, she's inviting Boaz to play a kind of a God role in her life, a similar kind of role, at least, in the way that God, um, that God has with Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, it says this. There is a, 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 it says, this is a, a description, one of those divine romance um, passages describing God's relationship with his people. And it says, Later, this is God talking, Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. I'll keep going in the passage, verse 9 of Ezekiel 16. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewellery. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was honey, olive oil, and the finest flour. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty, because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the Sovereign Lord. God's redeeming love for Israel literally makes her into his beautiful bride. And Boaz pours out the same kind of love onto Ruth, blessing her. Look at um, verse 15. Bring me the shawl that you were wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed a bundle on her. Then he went back to town. He also, um, you know, makes sure that her honour is protected. So she has to sneak out before anyone finds out. It sounds sneaky, but actually he's protecting her and also his own reputation. Boaz is a picture of God, our Redeemer. When God redeems us, when God picks us up from our poor state as sinners, he doesn't just save us from where we are. He doesn't say, well, you're forgiven now and then just leave it at that. But he blesses us with more. And you see this most clearly in the lives of people who really do, uh, who become Christians and they go from the extremes. You know how you kind of the, um, you, you would have heard these stories of a person saying, you know, I, I used to be a, a, a drug addict and now, and then I met Jesus and now I'm not anymore. And, you know, uh, I actually have met people like that. I've met people transform that much. Um, they're not only forgiven of their sins, but they're given a whole new life. I've met people who are extremely lonely and, and, and lacking self-worth who find Jesus and through that relationship grow and, and not only grow in their relationship with God but grow in their own self. Um, I've known people who were um, you know, um, refugees on the run from oppressive governments who come to Australia, not as Christians, then find out about Jesus and are transformed and, and as Christians... Suddenly, not only have they got a new life, but, but they've got a new life with God and with people. God has blessed them physically and spiritually. And we shouldn't think that this is only the case with people with these extreme stories. 
God wants to spread the corner of his garment over all of us. He wants to redeem you and me. He wants to bless you and me. And what we need to do is to be like Ruth and take the initiative in faith towards God. So Ruth is like God our provider and Boaz is like God our redeemer. And I just want to finish by saying, if you haven't already thought about this, Jesus is actually our ultimate provider and redeemer. Because Jesus gives his whole self, he sacrificed his whole life by dying on the cross and he did this to save us. Revelation 19 shows an image of heaven where Jesus has made us into his perfect bride, more precious than rubies. In fact, heaven will be like the ultimate wedding banquet where there will be laughing and joy and no more tears, no more widows, no more destitute people. No more suffering or shame. Jesus' redeeming sacrifice was a, a great act of provision as well, so that, so that we could be forgiven and receive eternal life. This is what he's on about. So when you read Ruth chapter 3, I want to encourage you to think about Jesus. Think about how Ruth and Boaz are a bit of an image of Jesus, a redeemer and provider. Hear these words from Jesus, these famous words that echo the power of God in the life of Ruth, Naomi and Boaz. From Luke 6. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this romantic story of love. And we thank you that it is a picture that is much bigger than just a romantic story, a picture of who you are. We pray that we will know your forgiveness, your provision, your redemption in our life. Amen.